There are angels all around, that song says. We don't see them, but we know that the unseen realm of spiritual reality is very, very much real. You remember the story of Elisha and his servant when the armies of the Assyrians had, were coming upon them and his servant was frightened and gripped with, with terror that they were going to be massacred and Elisha just whispered to the Lord, Lord, would you please open my servant's eyes so he could understand that they that are with us are more than they that are with them. And his eyes were opened and the mountainside surrounding their home and place were arrayed with holy angels that appeared from out of the invisible realm and made themselves known. And his servant got to see that incredible, incredible sight. Often wonder sometimes the Hebrews says that by entertaining and welcoming strangers, some have entertained, entertained angels unaware. And so from time to time, we have visitors on a Sunday morning almost every week, and I always wonder myself, hmm, I better be careful how I shake his hand and welcome them because who knows, maybe, maybe that we're having a visiting angel among us. Now, we won't point you out and ask you if you're an angel, um, but we're glad, we're glad you're here. We have, we're finishing up. We've been having this little mini-series that's at the beginning of the service for, uh, this will be the 10th week or 11th week, and we're finishing it today, but it's just a reminder of what Scripture teaches in the area of our giving to the Lord and how it is such a part of worship of God. And we have emphasized over and over in this church that there's no coercion, there's no manipulation, there's no hard sell on anything. Your worship of God and the practice of giving to the Lord, to the advancement of the gospel is your heart and God, and it's something that you do. Your left hand's not to know what your right hand is doing, and, and I've made a commitment many years ago that this particular pastor does not know what anyone gives or their habits of giving. And each treasurer that we've had, I've made sure that they know they're never to even accidentally whisper to me what anybody in this church gives. That way, I am completely at liberty to love you and serve you and show no partiality to anyone, but to love you all and be available to you to help you and support you as pastor. So... Having emphasized that, we're finishing up today. So what I've asked Kathy to do is give us the principles by way of review that will be without the scriptures that we have been using and showing you from God's word. But then on the last one, we'll, we'll tie it all together and finish up this little series. And then next week, we'll return to our ushers and their leading in, in reading as well as in prayer. So this little series has been called Giving from a Grace filled heart. The first principle is this. The Lord himself is our supreme example of giving, and he enables us to give from a grace-filled heart. We teach our youngsters, the very first verse we teach them is what? Well, maybe that's, what's the most famous verse in the world? Yeah, okay. John 3.16. It's an incredible verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
God is a giving God by nature. And so he wants us to become like him. And so we are by nature becoming giving people. Not only giving in the worship of offerings to, to advance the gospel, but giving of ourselves, our time, our talent, sacrifice of ourselves in the service of others before the Lord finally takes us home to be with him. So the first principle is the Lord is our example. Second principle is that giving one's money to the Lord is an extension of the prior gift of oneself. And we saw that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, how that they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then out of that the overflow was their generosity in giving to the Lord's work. Principle number three, the ability and motivation to give to the Lord is a function of grace. It's, it's an evidence of grace operating in our lives. Grace is that work of God in the believer that gives both the desire as well as the power and ability to fulfill God's will. Principle number four was in God's eyes, the attitude of the giver is more important than the amount given. And we saw that repeatedly, that God loves a cheerful giver, not someone feeling pressed or pushed or under compulsion. Such as, that's all right, that's all right. We can, such attitudes that we saw in those two chapters was joy, the joy of giving, cheerfulness, generosity, sacrifice, eagerness, willingness, perseverance, consistency, in other words, a consistent life of giving and integrity. Principle number five is that giving is a spiritual exercise in which all believers may participate, even poor ones. We saw the Lord who commended the, the widow because she put in more into the offering than all the rest. She put in a pittance, but the pittance that she put in represented all she had. And so the Lord was interested in the sacrifice, not so much in the amount. Principle number six was the believer is not expected to give more than he's able. Often, however, Christians entering the joy of giving, of grace giving, find that they can give more than they thought they could afford. And I've heard that through the years over and over and over. Uh, when a couple finally decides we're going to give faithfully and consistently to the Lord and see if he doesn't continue to meet our needs in his providence. And they've been shocked to see that what they thought they could not afford to give, the Lord was right behind them and his faithfulness came through. As they worshiped him in giving, they saw the good hand of God and his provision in their lives. And some, some have been shocked to see what they were able to give without it affecting them even. So we're not talking about giving to the point of pain. It's just a person can give more than they really realize. Principle number seven was the extent of spiritual treasure or fruit is either limited or expanded by the extent of the gift. And this is where the illustration of sowing and reaping came in, that when we sow, we reap. And so if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow abundantly, we reap abundantly. And so that's another principle. Principle number eight, 
The ability to give is granted by God, who gives even more to those who want to give more. Principle number nine. The opportunity to give is to be viewed as a privilege, not a compulsory obligation. That's why there is no heavy-handedness. There's never any coercion. In fact, from time to time, we make sure that you know that if you're part of this church body and part of this family and you're going through a tough patch and you need a little extra to get, make it through the month, you're just not going to make it, then come and talk to us and we will seek to help if we can. Now, we're a small country church, obviously, we can't have somebody come and say, could you pay my rent for the next six months? We can't go that far. But we try to help and we try to assist because we want to practice good stewardship and support and giving to God's people as well. Now we're on principle 10, and this is the final one. And there is a number of these. These are results. Results of the worship of grace giving will include, and this is all taken from Scripture, and you'll see this. First of all, a harvest of righteousness. The, the verse says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So there is a result of enlargement in terms of, of righteousness and a harvest. And then Paul writes in Philippians 4.17, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. This accounting terminology seems strange, doesn't it? And yet Paul adapts it and uses it and applies it. What is he saying? You have an account in heaven, and God is a good accountant. And he knows what you invest in him, the gospel, and his kingdom in support of the work. He knows, and he keeps track of it. And so Paul is saying, I'm not after what you have. But when you give generously, it's being accounted. And our lives will soon be over. I know sometimes you wonder. Some weeks seem like they took a month to get by. But the truth of the matter is, is that this little slice of time we have in light of eternity is very, very thin. And we'll all be home soon. We'll all be home soon. And what we did and how we lived and how we gave of ourselves in ministry and service to others and to the Lord in worship matters. It goes to our account, so to speak. Also, it will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result. See the word result? It will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Another result of grace giving is that it meets needs. This service that you, that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And so that phrase, supplying the needs of God's people, is a good thing.
By the way, the Blakes, Stephen Molina and their five kids, they are going to be having, uh, they're taking a furlough and they're going to be back. And so, some t is it later in the summer, Marianne? I forget the date. Not necessarily here, but they're bound to make a visit. Anyway, they're going to be back, and we all love the Blakes and the time they had among us, and it'll be great to see them again. But we give, you know, to them every month, and the, your offerings contribute to their support as they serve the Lord in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, it's on the back of the bulletin. Also, praising God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So another result is praise rising to God. And from the same passage, there's also a sense that you are verifying or backing up or giving credibility to the gospel when you're generous. And so the same verse says, because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, men will praise God for, notice, the obedience that accompanies your confession. In other words, your confession is backed up with real tangible acts of generosity to God. And um, Jesus put it this way, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It also, the, another result of this grace giving is that it, it has a strengthening effect on the bonds of fellowship between believers. 2 Corinthians 9.14, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God has given you, the surpassing grace God has given you. And when he speaks of the surpassing grace God has given you, he's talking about it in the context of the grace of giving, of, of, of sharing and supporting uh, the ministry and the ongoing spread of the gospel. So we're going to have an offering now. And that finishes up our little mini-series that we're having. And then next week we'll return to our ushers. But if we could have a couple ushers come forward, we'll...